You're ready to rock and roll. Let's talk about how I'm we... ready to rock and roll. That was terrible. Let's talk about how we've missed a bit and that we're going to be back on schedule. Talk about what your political rant that that, that was. That listen, you had a problem with that, mister. Your political rant that didn't make it. Okay, there was one in the can and one being a show. There was an show in the can, and, and I thought it sounded great because it was basically mm-hmm. me ranting for an hour, give or take 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe an hour and a half. You know. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think I got like five words in. <laughs> we decided not to publish that one. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, listeners, uh, you can thank us later. Uh, but, but first, we want to start by thanking you for being a listener. We want to thank... Uh, all of you out there who tell your friends about the Gun Show podcast, tell your shooting buddies, your hunting buddies, uh, you should really tell your liberal buddies, though, because we probably make their heads explode, and that's always fun. But uh, you know, while you're telling your friends about us, be sure to go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast. Click the like button. Click the share button. Let everybody know what you think. Uh, leave us a review. Uh, on iTunes, uh, that helps us with send the us a message. ranking thing. Yes, you can also send us a message, Twitter us. Scott or myself will respond. Apparently, Some, very quickly. Yeah, we. Yeah, Facebook now has a new icon, and yeah, since I don't, ranked. I don't know how Facebook works. Evidently, that's good. I'm assuming. Yes, <laughs> we're ranked as like super fast. Super responsive. Very responsive. Very responsive. Yeah. See, we're very responsive here at the Gun Show Podcast. Yes, we are. So you're welcome and thank you. I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> Wait, I'm confused. <laughs> All right, what do you got first for us today, Scott? I don't know. I can't work this app that we use here. Um, oh, one thing I ran into recently uh, on the while perusing the internet was a uh, there's a company called Lucky Gunner, and they are a uh, firearms no ammo ammo sales site, uh, retail sales site. Uh, but one thing Lucky Gunner does and does well is they have a blog. It's a, they do some really cool mm-hmm. stuff on that blog. What do you mean, like just testing or? They do testing. Uh, they have a great article on. Uh, they tested a bunch of steel case versus brass case ammunition in AR-15. And I'm pretty sure we okay. talked about it on the show because it's amazing and cool. And you should go read that if you've ever thought about not shooting steel case or shooting brass case or whatever in your AR. Um, but uh, they've also they've recently come out with a new article about uh, ballistics testing, specifically terminal ballistics testing, um, and it's a really good article. They tested 117 handgun loads. What would terminal ballistics mean for anyone? Terminal that ballistics, may not be familiar? yeah, yeah. There are several types of ballistics. There's internal ballistics, which is uh, what happens inside the gun when the primer gets struck, right? That's all the pressure curves and things that go on inside the barrel and the chamber and that sort of thing. Those are called internal ballistics. There's external ballistics, which is what uh, long-range shooters concern themselves with, and that is basically uh, how the bullet flies downrange, how it's affected by the wind, the drop, uh, the ballistic coefficient, things of that nature. And then there's terminal ballistics. And that deals with what the bullet does when it gets where it's going, uh, basically. Uh, so in a self-defense situation, terminal ballistics is talking about uh, wounding ballistics. You know, because unless you're, if you're shooting at a piece of paper, who cares what it does? It pokes a hole in the piece of paper, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're shooting at a piece of armor, you know, we want to be talking about AP and things like that for terminal ballistics. But in our case, uh, we want to be talking about self-defense ammo. 
And hunting ammo is another a place where you can use ballistic gelatin and other mes- methods of testing uh, the the effectiveness of the terminal ballistics of your chosen ammunition. I think I said that right. Yeah. Lucky Gunner tested 117 different self-defense loads in ballistic gelatin. I mean, they spent some money on this. Uh did they just test like the twenty round box and then move on, or did they test? Uh, they did a considerable, but regardless, one hundred and seventeen yeah. probably with what gelatin testing, gelatin testing, uh, and ballistic clothes. gelatin. Ballistic gelatin is the way that the FBI five shot trials. They did five shot trials. The FBI measures yep. whether something yes. is going to be effective yes. through clothing or not. The FBI came up, came up with a standard for terminal ballistics for duty, and we've applied that to self defense ammunition. So basically, you want it to work. You want the bullet to expand, that's, and you want it to penetrate. And there are certain numbers that the FBI has come up with that are the perfect, quote-unquote, you know, penetration and expansion. Mm-hmm. Of course, you want the bullet to expand as much as possible to do as much damage in the wound channel. And you want the bullet to penetrate uh, between 12 and 14 inches of ballistic gelatin, which uh, the FBI says that is the ultimate in terminal performance when it comes to shooting people. Uh, so yeah, so, and that's what we're doing when we're choosing self-defense ammunition is it's, it's, you know, not to be macabre, but it's, it's ammunition to shoot people with, you know, cause yeah. they obviously need shooting if we're shooting them. Uh, they're obviously doing something really terrible and we need them to stop. Uh, hence so, self-defense. Hence self-defense. So, uh, I've yeah. I've wanting to make like a terminal joke about terminal ballistics. But. Terminal ballistics. This is the last... Terminal ballistics you'll ever need to read? No. No, oh. about huh. you want your you want the best terminal ballistics to cause the best terminal terminality? Terminalis? No. Term no, 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 nothing. Uh, so there are other factors that go in it. There's other <laughs> nuances like weight retention, right? Uh, going through clothing. So uh, you, they yeah. they test uh, they test through you know some barricades yeah. through. So what drywall. some people might not know is that jackets, uh, most of the bullets, if not all of self defense jackets, are going to be a, have a lead core in some cases uh-huh. with a um, copper jacket over the top of that. Yeah, some sort of copper jacket with some sort of interior lead core. Yeah. And when you're talking about weight retention, what happens is a lot of these are designed to open up or mushroom. Yes. And sometimes the casing or the uh, brass case can come off yeah. or you can actually, the bullet can start breaking apart yes. and leave lead behind. There are, uh, yeah, there are, there, there are two ways uh, to wound effectively, to create a wound channel. There's two ways to do it. Uh, with handgun rounds, because of their speed, the only effective way to do it is expansion, like we talked right. about. So you want that weight retention because you're only dealing with expansion. Now, there are rifle loads that do its wounding characteristics with uh, fragmentation, what you're talking about, where the little bits break off. Right. Uh, you know, um, a perfect example of that would be our old 855 ball, the green tip that we've been using in the military. It's made to turn sideways as it yaws through, you know, people or ballistic gelatin and break into three pieces. And that's how it creates its wound channel. So, yeah. So, uh, but, but when we're talking handgun, and, and rounds, that's why some of these guys, I don't remember whoever that, that one ammo manufacturer that actually designs around their CNC machine yes. around to actually yes. split in, yes. spear off in five different directions. There, there is stuff, a small, so. Uh, there's a small contingency that are proponents of fragmentation in handgun ammunition, and they're they're wrong. 
I mean, uh, the science right now says they're wrong, and everything I've seen says they're wrong. And the history of, uh, uh, if you guys want to study this stuff in depth, just Google Dr. Martin Fackler. And uh, he's the one that came up with the FBI testing protocols and ballistic gelatin. These sorts sounds of like things. a pretty strong name. <laughs> and uh, but what they've decided that you, we've always had frangible. We've had Glazer safety slugs. We've had other frangibles. The DRT ammo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the new hotness right now is the G two rip. I think is what you were that referring might have been to that was machined so it has coupons that break off. And those have always been subpar. They haven't been the best at what they do uh, as opposed to as something uh, nowadays which would be what you described, which is standard lead core with a copper or some sort of gilding metal jacket. So one of the things where when the, the bullet opens up after making contact with its intended target, um, it, the dispersion of energy yes explain that like how does that play into handgun ammunition especially yeah. versus like like we say rifle ammunition they're, they're kind of two different schools uh-huh. aren't they i mean you would separate handgun and rifle yeah. and, handgun and really and say rifle. They're, they're two different things yeah handgun and rifle are two different really terminal bullet when it comes to terminal ballistics are two different methods of operation because a rifle can be going fast enough to cause damage without actually like cutting anything they call it hydrostatic shock okay you know as it goes through and creates its wound channel it's moving fast enough where it can tear things and break things on the way through that it's not actually touching uh, a handgun ammunition doesn't do that it doesn't go fast enough to cause quote-unquote hydrostatic shock and there's a lot of arguing on the internet about that but the fact remains the fbi and the people that we trust to do the science on this stuff says then no hydrostatic shock's not so hydrostatic, uh, hydrostatic shock is not a uh, a thing. It's not a it's not a, uh, a, a variable when it comes to defensive handgun ammunition. So we could just. But they're saying it is a variable when it comes it to rifle. It can be though. when it comes to rifle. Yes, definitely. So uh, so one of the things that uh, people talk about on the internet is you know the speed of ammunition and the breaking up and and the hydrostatic shock and, and some of those nuances. What. None of that really matters. What really matters is, and those are all small nuances that 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 can sometimes cloud the conversation. But what what really matters, according to the experts, is uh, the size of the bullet, you know, what it expanded to, and how far it penetrates. And that's really all that matters. The wound channels are. The difference between we all know how fast a three fifty seven six is going versus a forty five ACP, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out they have very similar wound characteristics when it because hydrostatic shock doesn't matter, the temporary wound chain doesn't do any damage, so the wound cavities between a forty five a nine and a three fifty seven sig and a forty, even though all those are different weights moving different things, different speeds, they're all different weights moving different speeds. They all pretty much give you the same type of wound channel. There's little nuanced differences. But other than that, in the big picture of things, they're all equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of the things we've discovered over the years is manufacturers have become very, very good at making good uh, defensive ammunition. So the good defensive ammunition does a really good job. So you know that's why we say if there's no difference between a 940 and 45, carry a 9. And that's why the FBI is switching to 9mm. That's why many, many police departments all over the country are switching to 9mm. And I always avoid those uh, conversations or arguments whenever I see people talk about 
uh, a shooting online or something, and they and the intended target doesn't drop immediately. They're like, "This is why I carry a forty-five." Well, I if mean, you if you want to get into terminal ballistics, there's two ways to incapacitate someone, and we've all seen the videos, just like you said, where somebody gets shot and they turn around and run away, mm-hmm. and then they die. <laughs> yes, I mean we've all seen the the famous video. Uh, uh, to be more macabre again, the famous video of the, uh, uh, where was that? Was that Tennessee where the reporter was shot and the guy mm-hmm. Facebooked the video of it? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Selfied it, basically. Uh, but you could see that well, that woman died and she turns and runs as soon as she starts getting shot. That happens. Right. Well, there's, there's two ways to incapacitate a person uh, physiologically. Psychologically, obviously, uh, that's a whole nother ball game. A person can continue to fight when shot, or they could completely give up when shot. You know, that's that that has nothing to do with it. But physiologically, the only way to stop somebody is either turn off their brain, or put a hole in something big enough in them so they so their blood pressure drops to zero that turns off their brain. Mm-hmm. So basically, either way, you're trying to turn off the brain now. Uh, of course, if you shoot somebody in the central nervous system, it'll turn off their brain and they'll collapse immediately. It's like the off switch. We all seen that on the cool cop shows where they just got to shoot them in the, the brain stem. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is fairly accurate. If you want to Google that, you can get into more in depth where that what that T zone actually means. Uh, but what they're trying to do is shoot the brain stem. Uh, but uh, as far as shooting somebody's center mass, you know, where the lungs and the heart and the kidneys and the spleen and all those things are, what you're trying for there is to put a hole big enough in something, lungs, artery, vein, heart, something, to make their blood pressure drop to zero so they can no longer function and their brain turns off. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So so uh, with that being said, uh, the best way to do that is with like the FBI has discovered, uh, 12 to 14 inches of penetration and ballistic gelatin with a, an expanding bullet. So uh, that's that's what we're talking about here. And, and another thing that this brings up is that handgun rounds suck for shooting people with. If you need to incapacitate a person, we've all seen the videos, like I said, you can go look now. There was the one where the... Um, there's a lot of videos right now of all the stabbings coming out of... Uh, Israel and Palestine. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, some of those videos, if you're macabre enough to watch them again, that's our catchword for this. Uh, that's your, your catchword. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you want to watch those it. things and learn some lessons, some of those guys get shot more than once before they stop stabbing people. Yeah. You know, uh, hanging around suck at stopping people. So if they suck, you want the best one you can get. I mean, if you have your choice, shoot somebody with a rifle or a shotgun. That works pretty well. But if you don't have a long gun, uh, you know, you want the best round money can buy. And there is a lot of internet lore and a lot of marketing that goes into defensive ammunition. So if you want to go check out our blog at thegunshowpodcast.com, I did do a that whole... That one is The Gun Show the Podcast. The Gun Show Podcast. And our Facebook is facebook.com slash gunshowpodcast. That's right. Uh, but you can get to the one from the other. So if you just remember right. one, you can get to the other one. But anyway, uh, go At to the, the top blog. of the Facebook page is a link to our blog. <laughs> At the bottom of our blog is a link to our Facebook page. So it's kind of circular. Like, yeah. yeah. Top, bottom, top, bottom. Some people, some people call it the circle of life. But, <laughs> but I have written an article. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I haven't written an article about that at all. <laughs> Something like that, I think. Wow. So the circle of life is located. I mean, the, the, the <laughs> list of defensive ammunition that has met uh, FBI specifications, the best of the best, is on our blog in 940 and 45. So if you carry 940, 45, go to our blog, pick one off the list. You'll be good to go. There's, there's a lot more nuances than that, but you don't really need to know them. You just can trust us. Uh, I didn't make that list up. I got it from uh, a, an expert in the field. Uh, and the article explains all that. And does your uh, your article go into talking about how if you need to make sure that the the round functions in your gun? Yes, I mean that's... because there there are a lot of really really good uh, firearm loads or handgun loads out there that won't function in every handgun, yeah, and they you, may function in Joe Schmo's Beretta, but they may not function in yours. And you need to make sure of that reliability is always paramount because shot placement is the most important thing. We just talked about what stops a person from fighting, right? Right. Uh, central nervous shot or zero blood pressure, right? right? It turns out a miss is, with with a good hollow point, is worse than a hit with ball ammo, with terrible ball ammo. Oh, you yeah, like a, a direct hit on what you want to yeah. hit. Yeah. If I put a hole in your heart with my terrible ball ammo, it's much better than hitting you in a non-violent Say my area. Ear. In the era, yeah, with with the latest greatest hollow points. So, yeah. uh, like I said, hanging around suck. So you want to carry the best one. But on the other hand, shot placement is king here. Uh, so uh, you'd be better off taking that time instead of doing this terminal ballistics research like I have. You'd probably be better off going to the range and getting some practice in, so you can make you know better shot placement. Right. Oh, definitely. But, but it's fun to talk about this stuff, and that's why we're here. Uh, so we talk about the terminal ballistics. And, uh, you know, there's some other nuances to terminal ballistics uh, through sheetrock, through clothing. We talked about that. Weight retention, penetration, um, like you said, reliability. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you got it to work once in ballistic gelatin, it doesn't work 50 times. It doesn't work 100 times. Right. Um, there have been and- instances where actual lots of ammo – have not worked in the ballistic gelatin. You know, this ammo is great ammo, works works as the best ammo money can buy in in whatever caliber we're talking about, right? Nine millimeter in this case, right? right? But they had a bad lot that had bad jackets or something wrong with it, and it didn't expand. Well, also think about where do you live? Are you living in a cold climate where eight months out of the year people are wearing heavier clothing? That's going to be different than if yep. you live in Florida and people are usually running around in T-shirts or something lighter. And there used to be a, a barrel-length consideration. But oh, yeah. nowadays, with most modern ammo, the barrel length isn't really a factor. But definitely double-check the, the ammunition you've chosen to make sure it functions well right. at the velocities you're going to shoot it out of your gun. So uh, what's the next thing we got? Well, I was going to talk about some more terminal ballistics. No, no. 855A1. All right. Let's, oh, let's go to rifle. Yeah, okay. let's go to rifle. So go check out that Lucky Gunner uh, article. It's really informative. There's a lot to it, but they present it really well. And so, and give us some feedback on it. Tell us what you think uh, with our opinions here and if we've missed anything and what you've found in your studies. Yeah. Okay. Now on to rifle. Uh, it turns out somebody, the Wound Channel, I think they're called, on YouTube, got a hold of some uh, 855A1. Now, that is the current military-issue ammunition. It's replaced the 855 ball, and it's a different construction. 
and it is a different uh i mean it's a whole different thing instead of having the 855 was a steel core in a lead uh a steel steel rod in a lead core in a copper jacket this is like a tungsten bismuth core with a steel tip and a copper jacket and it's it's just a whole nother thing well, they got their hands on some at the Wound Channel, and you can go to YouTube and, and search for them and see this video. But uh, they did some terminal ballistics tel- testing in uh, ballistic gelatin, mm-hmm. and it turns out this stuff is really good. We're issuing good stuff to our troops, well, that's which good. is which is most surprising and sad that it's surprising. You know, I was I was expecting this ammo. There was a lot of talk out there that the 855A1 wasn't as good as the 318 Mod 1 that they were issuing to the Marine Corps, that the Army was issuing the 855A1. Um, but uh, it looks like our troops are getting good ammo. And uh, so, hey, uh, that's great. Uh, one of the things that one of our callers, callers, Listeners asked us not uh, terribly long ago was, hey, when do you think I'm going to get my hands on some 855A1 surplus? And we said, uh, not anytime soon. And <laughs> evidently, it's still that way. You can't get your hands on this stuff. I've looked. Um, why, why is that exactly again? They're issuing all of it. And literally all of it is going overseas or to practice or to frontline or to stockpile. Because it's replacing the green tip stuff. And that's why there's so much green tip on the market right now. Hmm. Um, and then someone else said something about banning 855A1. And I just want to make it clear that the ATF isn't going to ban 855A1 until it becomes popular, just like green tip. They right. ignore green tip for, I don't know, when did we switch over to the 62 grain? 30 years ago? Uh, probably. Yeah. They, yeah at they, least now, yeah. Yeah. They ignore that MO for 32 years and they started talking about it when it started selling recently. So, yeah. So, I just wanted to, to share that with you all and some more terminal ballistic stuff. Speaking of banning ammo, uh, the Democrats have kind of all, they stayed away from gun control issues. Until recently. Mm-hmm. Well, real gun control issues. I want to say they, they gave it lip service. We had Obama uh, jump on the blower after uh, uh, the shooting in uh, Oregon. And he said that something needs to be done. We have far too many mass shootings. Um, which, uh, you know, uh, we can agree to disagree there. So the Democrats in this last uh, debate over there in Vegas has started making some more gun control noises. And one of the things they started talking about was Australia. And I don't know if this is becoming a theme or if this is becoming a a, a thing where they can point to, hey, look at Australia. Um, but Hillary Clinton specifically, who I guess is, is, is the front runner now, uh, because today Mr. Biden uh, told us that he was not going to run. Uh, but uh, so Hillary Clinton came out and said, hey, we need to look at that. We need to do something like Australia. Well, here's the rub. Here's the tricky part about that. Australia did gun confiscation. They mm-hmm. did gun, quote unquote, buyback. Right. You can't buy it back because you didn't own it. So that's what she wants to do. She wants to confiscate. confiscate well, of course. Guns. Yes, yes. Ideally, these these types want you and right. I not to own private guns. Right. So she wants gun confiscation. But she'll maybe say that she would like to have it as a turn-in. Right. And that will... So it's as truthful as her running through incoming fire. 
basically. Yeah. Basically. Um, and, and I just wanted to give it some lift service and talk about this for a second. Um, first of all, I, we've talked about Australia before on this podcast. Uh, we've talked about, I've done an article, uh, speaking of which, go to that blog, check out the article on Australia. Um, the Australians didn't really all turn in their guns. And the crime rate really didn't drop after they did. Mm-hmm. And the crime rate hasn't, you know, crime in Australia wasn't really affected by firearms turn-in or ownership. Just like we've seen here, which we've said time and time again, that, that firearms ownership rates do not negatively affect crime. And we can prove that. I mean, crime's been dropping in America since the 90s. And firearm sales have basically what quintupled? What's the what's it called? A lot. We sell a lot of guns. <laughs> a lot. Twenty million guns a year. Um. So yeah. So one thing I wanted to let everybody know is we're not really political here at the Gun Show Podcast, but we don't want people in charge. We don't want to send people to Washington, for lack of a better term, uh, who are going to infringe on our rights. And I think that the gun control is one of those big things. Now, here's the other thing you got to remember. This is the Democrats. This is them at their debate trying to get the nomination for their party. And we all know they got to go a little left to get the hardline leftists to vote for them, to nominate them. And then they got to go middle right. uh, or moderate, right. change, their, change their tone, change their talking points to moderate talking points to, to be elected. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the right does the same thing. Uh, it's not like this is news. Um, so maybe this is just some noise coming out of there. Maybe we need to worry about this. I mean, we talked about... Um, maybe what we just need to do is pay attention. Yeah, we all need to pay I attention. I think that's the most yeah. important thing. I think that's what we should all take away from what you were saying just now. Sure. It's just pay attention. Yeah, pay attention to what's going on in the yeah. body politic. Pay attention to who says what. And, you know, and vote. Yeah. I think that's very important. You know, your vote uh, for president may be canceled out because, say, you're a Democrat and you live in Texas. Your vote's canceled yeah, out. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. You don't, you don't get your vote for president. But, but you can vote for the local people. Yeah. Hey, you can vote for a sheriff. You can vote for a, a city councilman. You can vote. And I, and I want to encourage everybody to study their candidates and study their issues and make an informed decision. And, hey, if you want to be a one-issue voter and vote on the gun thing, um, I, I got no problem with that. If you want to do that and that's what you believe, I hey, I, more power to you. I'll tell you who to vote for. Uh, but uh, I think it's just interesting that you get so many people out there that don't vote or don't do anything, and they sit on their thumbs, and then they're upset when something happens. I, I don't know if I'm the only one, and I don't feel like I am, but I don't think you really have a, a leg to stand on when you didn't go vote. Yeah, I think you should definitely... We are of the opinion here at the Gun Show Podcast that you need to exercise your rights. You need to exercise your right to vote. We exercise our right for free speech. That's what you're doing now. You're listening to us do that. How about that? Um, you know, your freedom of religion, your Second Amendment right. We definitely want you to practice that, right? For some we reason, to- uh, we reference cars so often, but but think of it as you're going to get a car for free. There's no way around it. It's going to happen. You're going to be given a car. Uh-huh. They send you a message and they say, hey, come down here and tell us the options you want. Right. So you don't. <laughs> and they, they, send they, you- they send you the car and you're like, well, that's not the color I want. Well, that doesn't have this. That doesn't have that. Well, you know what? You All you had to do was take a little <laughs> bit of time out of your busy day and go down there. I like that. 
You could you could change it to Glock, right? Change it to anything. We we're gonna give you a Glock. That's you how good my down. analogies are. You gotta <laughs> <laughs> you gotta come down and pick out the color. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I, I like mean, that. You know. I gotta remember that one. Uh, but yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, jump on our Facebook.com slash gunshow podcast. Uh, jump on the gunshow podcast.com. Give us some feedback. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, you know, if you're yelling into the uh, dashboard of your car as you're driving to work right now, hey, take some time out of your day. Drop us a line. Tell us that we're wrong and, and that, uh, that we've gotten completely skewed. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So speaking of 9mm, we talked about the FBI switching to 9mm. And now they've put out, they published a uh, RFP, a request for proposal okay. to get some new guns. Mm. They're switching to 9mm guns, which makes sense. If they're going to switch to 9mm ammo, they should yeah. switch to 9mm guns. Um, it would make sense that the people who say that forty caliber is the best for stopping someone in a self-defense or home defense situation would be moving away from the caliber that they designed to go to the 9mm. There you go. But the, basically, they need a uh, they need a full size and a compact and some uh, inert training pistols and some simunitions and replacement parts and things. So they're like they're that. looking for uh, they're looking for a pistol that can do it all. Then I guess huh? it, it, I think the scuttlebutt is I read it somewhere now I can't find it but I read it I think the scuttlebutt is they're going to go with Glock. Oh, uh, basically, yeah. they're going to have Glock 17s and Glock 19s and. Uh, Gen 4, I want to say. Anyways, this is like a $5 million contract. Is it going to be all new training required? Uh, no external no, safety. No, no, no. They've got Glocks now as part of their They just have them in 40? 40, yeah. yeah. So basically, this is just switching everything over to 9. Oh, well, then that's good. That's, that's actually a smart way of doing it because you're yeah. not having to retrain or yeah. uh, retool people. That's true, and they can yeah. keep their holsters. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so simunitions, red handles. I guess they call them in the FBI. So would we? Is it is it fair to say that look forward to seeing a surplus amount of slightly used forties, uh, Glock oh, forty calibers nice. hitting the market? That would be nice. Well, speaking of gun control okay. and people in government hating us, gun owners. Uh, yeah, would, not just us. I would be surprised if they dumped all the forties. Back into the circulation. Now that's a that's a very good question, though. We should keep our eye out for things yeah. like that. Maybe they'll do that, or they'll destroy them. They'll which probably... is the only smart thing to do. Because <laughs> why would the government want to save some money by selling them? Yeah, uh-huh. make any sense. Uh-huh. Because there'd be too many people running out around out there thinking they're FBI agents because they have an FBI used gun. I got an FBI gun. Yeah. There's some FBI not, uh, 10 millimeters out there. If you look around, mm. if you find some, the Smith and Wesson made some certain 10 millimeters that only FBI had, and they're available in the uh, used market if you can find one. Bear stoppers. They're very desirable. Yeah, from back in the uh, the 10 millimeter days. It makes me wonder. Has, we haven't. I've never seen like a giant influx of old FBI pistols. You know. Uh, have they made, I don't know. Uh, I don't think they do that because they've t- they changed to the ten millimeter from the revolver, right? And then they went to the uh, from the ten millimeter to the forty, and then they, mm-hmm. now they've gone to the forty to the nine. And over the years, you know, they went from the Smith and Wesson to the Glock. Uh, I think they were had Sigs at some point, but we haven't seen a glut of used FBI pistols on the market. I tell you what, 
out there. What is a turn-in program? Maybe then? that's what I'm talking about, though. The, I'm guessing, every time they do that, it's like a, a raw materials turn-in program. I don't or know if it's raw materials because as a dealer or as a distributor or as a, a a gun company, if I can take all your guns on trade-in for each gun you trade in, I knock a hundred bucks off, whatever, and I can turn around and sell them for two hundred dollars wholesale. Mm-hmm. I'm making a killing, right? Oh yeah. And and I, I on top know, of having that contract, yeah, on top of having a five million dollar contract, right? Yeah. So I, I I have never seen the FBI do it, but we've seen plenty of large law enforcement agencies do it. And I just wonder, hey, has anybody out there in listener land uh, ever run across an old FBI trade in gun, or you know, go up to a table at a gun show and they got fifty trade in fill in the blanks from FBI? Well, yeah, I wonder how you would know that though. Well, I know with Glocks you can look up the serial numbers. Oh, okay. And sometimes they'll tell you it's from government whatever. And you can do the math. You know, if it was in the 90s and it was a clock and it was in 40, you probably do the math. And if it's the 10 millimeter that, they only, that Smith & Wesson only made for the FBI, you can do mm-hmm. the math on that one, right? Yeah. There's probably only five that they sold that weren't FBI guns. Uh, so if you ended up with one of those. Yeah, there's a few test T&Es that, that bounced around out there. What I'm thinking is they don't do that. And the ones we see on the market right now are uh, they were offered to the agents, you know, hey, you want to buy your old gun. Right. Oh, and then they yeah. can do whatever they want with it. They yeah. can sell it later. Or, that, you know, that would make a lot they of pass sense. pass away. And, and then it would just become an actual uh, person-to-person, yeah. no longer really an FBI. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. just an ex-FBI gun. There's probably plenty of that. But, uh, yeah, I'd be curious if anybody knows anything about that to let us know. Because, uh, you know, one of the great things lately, uh, AIM Surplus has been getting a lot of uh, police trade-in firearms. I know they've got they Glock 19s do. for like 360. They've do. had uh, M&Ps for like 320. If you don't already have an M&P and you need one, you should have got one. I don't. They're probably all sold out yeah, by now. Yeah, they're gone. But you know what's really great about those trade-ins like that is is they're hit or miss. Sometimes you get almost brand new night sights. Well, I tell you what, the, <laughs> the thing is, the thing's not going to be shot out. Uh, the a, there will you, be a lot of holster wear, yeah, but there won't be a lot of rounds through it. Yeah, most yeah. likely, there, there, there'll, there'll be cosmetic wear. Even You'll still the break the trigger ones. in. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But uh, those things will shoot better than you can. Yeah, most I, departments only require you to. Most of police departments only require fifty rounds a year. Speaking of which, so. Speaking of which, I read a very interesting. It was supposedly from an ex ATF or FBI agent, and he his 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 argument was that as civilians, normal people, no more normal gun owners, we're not held to any standard. You can own a gun; anybody can do whatever they want with it. Okay. And he, as a federal uh, uh, law enforcement officer. Was before he could go out in public with his gun, he had to meet a standard, and he said he shot twice a year, which I'm not sure I believe. I think they shoot like once a year, and that he had to shoot a certain number of rounds and get a certain number of points, and that uh, that was the difference between the civilian population with guns and you know law enforcement. Yeah, let, let me put it to you this: let, let me throw this out there, and this goes for cops and possibly FBI agents. There's a lot of commanding officers that have their own rules and requirements that they want their people to meet. Sure. So I would not be surprised if he was required to fire Uh, two times a year to test. But there's a lot of police departments out there 
that require, you know, twice at the gun range or three times at the gun range, while there's other ones out there, like I said, that only require you to go once. Yeah. And then it also depends on what are you, what are you? I you think know, are you on the SWAT team? Yeah. Are you oh, narcotics? Yeah, yeah. Are you, different. you know, all of these different things start to play. But none of those guys shoot as much as somebody who says shoots IDPA once a month. Oh, no. Or shoots IPSC once a month. No. Or... You know, or, you know... Uh, the only people in the government or, that shoot as often as those guys are like the tier. Army marksmanship team. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah basically. That's yeah. I mean, I, I don't know of anyone else that you could sit there and say they actually fire as many rounds yeah. as someone that, that competes in three-gun or IPSC competition. I just thought that was an interesting argument because, you know, we know cops. Yeah. And we know not all cops are gun guys. Some of them no. are terrible with a firearm. Right. Some of them, I, I don't know how they qualify some of them. <laughs> well, there's one guy. And we know. There's one guy that I know that he yeah. is extremely proficient with revolvers and handguns. You know, understanding how to clear them, sure. what to do. You give him a rifle and he's just like, <laughs> what? Really? What That's is that? How do I do that? Because he's just never been around it. Yeah. Now, you give it to another guy that I know who's on the SWAT team. Probably take it apart and put And he'll back field together. strip it, put it back together, you know, <laughs> blindfolded. Yeah. Behind his back. See, and I, that's one thing I don't think the public understands, us, uh, the non-gun people. Mm-hmm. They say, well, that cop's been trained. Well, yeah, he's been trained to a minimum standard. I'm in the military, right? Uh, in my branch of the military, am I trained to a good enough standard? Because most gun grabber types who think that the guns should only be in the hands of cops, military, and, and law enforcement. You are because you went above and beyond. Well, I am. But, but let's, let's just pick somebody the else in the military. Yeah. yeah. I tell you what, the, the guy who works on the jets, the guy who wrenches on the jets, mm-hmm. he shoots every three years. And he shoots yeah. 120 rounds. Yeah. Only out of a rifle. That's it. And why would we say that that's an acceptable standard for, you know, handling and operating a firearm and then the civilian population no 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 they need to be trained to a higher standard than that i don't you know what i mean so this it's the dichotomy of the police only need firearms now they're also not allowed to walk around with firearms on the base well like like not not unless there's a war no not an american base if they were overseas they'd be able to have a gun but that's different chattanooga they weren't allowed to right but that's the other part of the dichotomy I don't understand. Any federal law enforcement officer in the world can go just about anywhere armed. Like 99% of places, including aircraft, they can yeah. fly armed, right? Any federal law enforcement officer. They can go into school armed. They can go into a bar armed, which you may or may not, depending on what state you live in. Right, as an officer. But as a military yeah. member, you can't do none of that. <laughs> Unless right. you're actually on active duty orders, which you can't be in America, really, because of posse comitatus rules. Mm. Unless you're on some sort of weird, unless you happen to be a federal law enforcement officer also who's in the military. Yeah, you can't do any of those things. And I thought that that's a, for, for the left wanting to only law enforcement and military need to have guns and then having this dichotomy where the, the military is unarmed. Here in America, mm-hmm. I don't understand that. I, I guess I, I guess I really can't grasp the concept of, you know, um, the weird things we do with with the 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 treating a gun as as something special, a, a deodand, a, a a magic tool that can turn somebody crazy, right. and they'll go shoot up a school, and they wouldn't have done it without the gun. You know what I mean? I, I don't understand that. And to me, it's the same thing. If you say, hey, you're in the military, you can go die for our country. You can go overseas and shoot people for our country. 
Uh, but but you're not allowed to touch a gun while you're here, dude. You, right. You get, it's got to stay in the armory. I don't know what you're doing. We can't trust you with a gun while you're here. Right. I, I just don't understand that, I guess. I, I don't understand placing that magical scepter. You know, it's like a magic wand to people. A gun to some people. To people who don't understand firearms, it, it's a magic wand. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to take guns out of the hands of law-abiding people here in our country, and Hillary and the gun buyback thing is 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 one of those things that they want to do. But but the gun isn't the issue, right? It's it's I don't know what it is. It's it's there's some other there's some other thing that's making people go into schools and shoot them up, and there's some other thing that makes you know, troubled inner city youth shoot each other for, you know, crack cocaine and Yeah, but and I don't money. know if saying that it's like a magic wand is the greatest thing because Harry Potter was pretty proficient <laughs> as a young child with his wand. Yeah. 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 But it, it's a gun, right? It's an inanimate object. It's We don't... Like, I don't know. The, the car thing. We talk about the cars, you know. We don't blame... You don't say a car killed my mother. If your mother was killed right. by a drunk driver right, right. sitting at a stoplight and some drunk plowed into her and killed her. You don't say a Ford or you know, right. whatever, whatever it is. killed right. my mother. No, nobody says that. Right. But you will see these people, especially the you know, uh on the Facebook, Twitter, Bloomberg, you know, testifying in front of Congress types. Those a gun killed my mother. Yeah. And and you I know, guess I don't understand thing, that. The only thing that you see, and you see it only in rare instances, is an eighteen-wheeler where it's actually singled out on what it oh, is. An eighteen-wheeler, yeah, because they, my they talk uh, about they talk about eighteen-wheelers needing to have their own lanes. But that's that's kind of that odd, and that happened in the two yeah, thousands. Yeah, and I haven't it heard just that kind lately. of disappeared. Yeah. You know, I so that. I, that would be the only thing that I could think of that would be along those lines. Yeah, I wonder, and I see it. We do it too, though. This is this is the part I, I think we can delve more into as gun owners and gun aficionados and gun nuts. We do it too. We think that just because we go get a gun and we put bullets in it, we put the latest greatest bullets that Lucky Gunner tested, right? We find the greatest right. one on the list and we put it in our gun, and we go buy a Glock nineteen because the Gun Show podcast guys told us to, and we put it in a Raven holster because they told us to. It's the best one, right? And so, and we do that, and we put it on our hip, and we got our concealed carry license, and we go out into public, and we think we're now safe. No, yeah, we and we've talked about mindset before. We've talked about right. practice and shop placement, but. I think we're guilty of the same thing, and maybe we need to do more to dispel that. Maybe we need to talk about, you know, gun owners as opposed to gun ownership. I don't know. Gun owners as opposed to gun yeah, ownership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to, you know, we talk about, uh, uh, I don't know. But we uh, always talk about gun owners. You know, there's however many millions of people that sure. didn't wake up today and and go do yes. some kind of atrocity. Yes. You know, I mean. There's, yeah, basically 30 million gun owners Today didn't shoot up fill in the blank school right. church bus station didn't stab anybody either right um, and and that's one thing I want you know what I actually just thought about this because this is kind of local news but I'm sure it's kind of gone viral and uh-huh. it's sp- spreading around but the guy who uh, who rammed those two oh, the people bikers? on the motorcycle yeah and Grand you know Grand they Bear, were cr- they crossed the double yellow line yep. and were passing him in a no pass zone and he pulled over and sm- you know nudged them if you will and <laughs> knocked them off their bikes nobody's, at 60 miles an hour. nobody's talking about the car nobody's oh, yeah. talking about um 
what kind of car it was or the color of the car or anything. They are just talking about him. I haven't seen that car being interviewed or being photographed or anyone talking about, you know, yeah. this car. That's very interesting. So very, uh, that, why, and why that is we a weapon that, that yeah. was specifically used... Well, hey, we say it all the time as gun owners. Cars kill way more people than guns right. in this country. So way the, more people. Where I'm going with that is, is, is if somebody is crossing the double yellow line, they don't have to have a gun to cause damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He road used, rage, yeah, road rage doesn't vehicle. need a gun. I mean, it's been in the news today, I guess. Some four-year-old was killed in a tragic yeah, road rage yeah. accident. It's terrible, right? But they didn't need to use the gun. They could have just ran him off the road. Yeah, I mean, what's a deadly weapon is a deadly weapon. I I don't understand why we need to assign, you know, special magical status to our firearm. You know, we don't do that for our cars and our knives and our in our in our trucks and our fire extinguishers. Nobody says I got a fire extinguisher now. But we've talked about you know what we've talked about this, and the reason is because it's something that somebody uses every day. Yeah. If you go in and you oh, say, "Oh, you get you go, used to," yeah, it. you go okay. in and you say, "Listen, what we're going to do here is is you're gonna you're only going to be allowed to use." Sporks, and these sporks are only going to be allowed to have a th- like a third of an inch of actual of the pointy uh, of part. The pointy part. Yeah, so weapons. what what's going to happen? You're going to get steak people that are going to get fresh, frustrated because they can't put the spork into their steak without ruining it. You're going to have the spork or the steak, both. Oh, you're going to have people that are going to accidentally cut their lip while they're eating their soup with their spork. And they're going to be angry that they weren't allowed to have a spoon. Right. And they're okay. going to sue yeah. whoever. Whoever. Whoever's in charge. Odwalla. I don't know. Whoever makes, <laughs> Who makes silverware. Sports? Who makes sports? Anything. Taco Bell. Solo? I don't know. Does Solo make sports? Like the, I have no solo, idea. The plastic people? I don't know. Maybe no, no. some I see what you're. I, I see what you're getting at. We as humans, we, um, we are adaptable. We adapt very well as people. I mean, look at us. We, we all get up at a certain time of day and we go to work, and that's probably not like where our natural clock is. You know what? I just thought of something. I have to interrupt uh-huh. you. What? what? Think of steel toe work boots. Steel toe work okay, boots. Okay. This is twofold on this. Okay. In one hand, they uh-huh. protect your feet from getting crushed. They do. But on the other hand, if you were to kick somebody in the yeah, face, yeah, yeah, yeah. it would do it's more a damage. It's a steel toe. Yeah. So, like, like in the words of Jim Carrey from The Cable Guy, you ever been kicked in the face with a steel-toed Kodiak work boot? <laughs> that is what I'm talking about. But you're not going to see somebody that commits murder or massive mm. bodily harm yeah. with a steel-toe go, oh my gosh, we need to get rid of steel-toe. Yeah. But it's the same concept. It protects you yeah. at the same time as it can being, be a weapon. Being, well, yeah, anything being can be a weapon. A weapon yep, that's right? what I'm going yeah. with. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. see them. You're not going to see everyone rise up and say, "You beat hey, somebody guys. with your laptop here, and and that'll do some damage." You probably kill somebody with that laptop. I mean, I, yeah, I, I would say you should that, get a heavier one, maybe an Alienware instead of this nice MacBook Air thing you got. No, it's about it's about uh, placement of oh, it's the a, striking placement. It's about striking Strike placement. placement. Yeah, <laughs> of the laptop. I yeah. like that. What about the magic mouse? Does it do anything? It's magic. It's glass on the top, so oh, you could probably you could like a bar fight. You could bash damage. it over the end of the desk, and Does it'd be work? like jagged. I want to know if that like, works. Ah. That doesn't work, right? I'm, if you grab a beer bottle and smash it on the bar, you don't get like a good stabbing utensil. Maybe right? that'll be like since we haven't done a video in like two years. Maybe <laughs> that'll be like video? our video going. Does this actually work? <laughs> we oh. end up cutting ourselves and getting yeah. way more messed up than 
Well, I think you, you made a perfectly valid point, though, and that's a part of getting used to something. You can get used to anything. I mean, you look at somebody, I don't know about you, but I used to drive terrible, terrible cars, you know, without air conditioning mm-hmm. and were liable to break down any minute. I had to have a tool- toolbox in my trunk, right? Right, right. And then I got a nice, nicer, uh, much more luxurious vehicle, right? And I drive it every day. Well, now it's just my car again. That, the one that broke down all the time, that was my car. Right, and it's just my car. To yeah, me. now it's if not you like, go to get one without AC, you're like, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm used to AC. Yeah, yeah, we're we're adaptable. We can get used to anything. I want I want the controls on the steering wheel, and I right, need the cruise right. control, and I need the. Do you need them? No, no. But I, now I'm used to them. But you like? Them. I've adapted to them exactly. <laughs> And the windows where you push one button and they all roll up or they all roll down. Yeah, That's, that's actually, that's now you got me going on <laughs> stuff that we could go on for hours on this, but you now you got society yeah. on a hook there. Uh, running water, electricity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get everything. used to things. Everything. You know, and there's a lot of analysts out there that talk about if you shut down all of the power across the United States, it would take less than five days for the entire United States to fall into utter chaos. Oh, yeah. Yo, I think we've talked about it on the show and, before. Yeah, yeah, I mean, people don't know what to do. They have no earthly idea. And I think that that is the key... And this is why are we gonna why why are we gonna why we are going to win? Man, I thought we could end on that one, but the gun control thing. This is why we're gonna win the gun control thing because twenty million more people a year, or twenty million more guns a year, are sold. Mm-hmm. So they become normal. They're becoming normalized. Does that make sense? Think, more and more people are getting guns every day, and and they're holding the gun in their hand, and they're like, "Well, this isn't." killing anybody. No, we see, I'm not going to point it at anybody. We this see everybody go out there and task. We see a lot of groups out there tasking everyone with doing first shots. Yeah. Taking people out that have never shot before. Yes. I, there are plenty of people Somebody that was giving you, away free ammo for that. I put it on our Facebook page. Yeah, go check it out. If you take somebody shooting that are adamantly opposed to firearms or scared of them, a lot of times their entire mentality or attitude will be changed by simply showing them uh, the firearm and and letting them shoot it at a you know a safe and responsible area like a range or something. Well, like we always say, you can't take somebody to the not gun range, the anti gun range. There is no you can't take somebody to the anti gun range and show them a good time. Well, I I've been to a range that I would almost consider an anti gun <laughs> range. I, I think mean, we've I all don't, I mean terribly run <laughs> ranges because even at a terribly run range, you hand somebody even like a ten twenty two and yeah. let them shoot some rounds at yeah. some whatever. They get a smile on their face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As an anti, you can't take somebody to an anti-gun rally and then be like, man, it was so much fun. I've never done that before. We right. protested. Right. Or maybe they do. Oh. Maybe that's what's wrong with them. They need to go to the gun range, right? Yeah. So why don't you grab one of your friends or take take them out? and Yes. Yeah. And don't tie them up, put them in the trunk, and drag them to the gun range. Uh-uh. That turns out it's illegal in almost every state. Yeah. But you should invite them to the gun range or have them meet you there if they're scared to ride with you. And you could show them the responsible way to be a gun yeah. owner, right? You show them how to target shoot. Show them how to show them the cool stuff exactly. that people like. People like AKs and ARs and 1911s and, and revolvers and cool stuff like that. And, you know, let them shoot a twenty two if they're scared of the big guns. Yeah, like I had to explain to Scott, that's called kidnapping, not first date. <laughs> it's terrible.